So welcome, welcome. Nice to see your faces. Those of you who have your camera on, some familiar faces and some new faces. Um, if you do have the ability to turn your video camera on, even just for a moment, just in the beginning, we can just say hello to each other. And sometimes it's nice to see, oh, there's so-and-so. I recognize them from some other Dharma gathering or Spirit Rock event or something. So it's also nice for the teachers just to get a sense of who's here rather than speaking to a lot of blacked out boxes. So, and um, just let us know where you're tuning in from, where you're, where you're zooming in from, where do you live, um, or where do you happen to be in physical time and space. So I'm calling in from Sausalito, which is just north of San Francisco on coastal Miwok land. Where do you reside? So a lot of you are local because connected to Spirit Rock. Most of you are local so far. Um, Oregon, Washington, <clears throat> and from Australia. Always amazed when we have this geographic spread in East Coast, New Jersey, Colorado, LA. So, <clears throat> wondering how you're all feeling tonight. You're welcome to also write that in the chat. You don't have to, but what's present in your heart as you gather for this Monday evening or Australia, it would be, I think, Wednesday morning, not even Tuesday morning. <laughs> Just a bizarre thought. Yeah. <clears throat> So, so we'll sit together. Those of you who are new to this program, we sit together for a little bit, about half an hour. I'll guide a little at the beginning and then we'll take a short break or buy a break and I'll come back and I'll share some reflections. And in this evening, when I share some reflections about the inner, the inner joy that arises on the path. <clears throat> so the inner peace or the freedom that arises that we cultivate on the path. So yeah. So anyhow, please um, begin to find your meditation seat. wherever you are and you can you don't need to be orienting necessarily to the screen um, but you also could it's important finding some kind of posture that you can sit with ease with uprightness 
sense of relaxation. So get yourself comfortable. Comfortable enough so you can then begin to settle into stillness. And noticing if there's any in that movement into stillness. Noticing if there's any quality of ease or even pleasure or settledness as you come to Bring a quiet, a still presence. And we can feel a sweet um, contentment, well-being, pleasantness of the familiarity of the sitting posture. Um, coming into the sacred space of meditation, stillness, attention to enter into presence. Turning the lens of attention inwards and I'm curious, what is the inner world, the inner landscape like? what is present prior to doing anything, prior to becoming the meditator, and you're just sitting in awareness and presence, meeting the conditions of this moment. 
knowing that there's nothing you particularly need to do except be aware be aware of what is happening in awareness what is awareness knowing being known through the senses. So as you arrive into the moment, noticing what is drawing attention, perhaps the sounds and the soundscape in your room, the sounds outside. Sounds being known. Known quite naturally into an awareness. you're feeling the whole field of sensations in the body, the interior sensation, warmth, touch, pressure, movement, tingling, vibration. Movement of the touch of the body against the ground, the chair, the air.
And so today, simply orienting attention to the immediacy of physical experience of sensation, sensory experience, sound, touch, times of sight and smell. And perhaps the conduit for attention is the noticing, feeling, sensing of breathing. And how the changing rhythmic sensation, the inhale and the exhale, is a resting place for attention. At times noticing when attention is drawn into mental activity, thinking, imagining, remembering, planning, stories. And then also reorienting that attention if we're lost in thought. So reorienting what is happening here, sitting, sensing, breathing, hearing, and noticing how it's all happening in awareness by itself. at times a contentment and ease, perhaps an inner joy, peacefulness comes from not needing to be anywhere else, not demanding experience be different, trying to fix or improve, and just radically being here, abiding in whence moment to moment.
Abiding in awareness, present, receptive, awake, moment to moment. Just the attitude in which you're meeting whatever phenomena is here, breath, body, environment, sound, sensation, whatever mood, mental activity of thought. Can you sense into an underlying ground of well-being or peace that's unruffled by the surface of changing condition, sensing into the deeper part of the ocean of one's being, quiet, still, unmoved, unwakeful. As we bring our practice to a close, I'll share some words from John O'Donohue, where he writes, Awaken to the mystery of being here. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Joy and peace in the temple of your senses. A time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder. Awaken to the mystery of being here and into the quiet immensity of your own presence. friends so in your own time bringing 
practice is this formal meditation to a close. And just noticing the residue or influence of your practice as you cultivate awareness, presence, what arises in that field. Maybe you fell asleep, maybe you were consumed in thought, maybe you were bored or restless or irritated or frustrated, maybe you were quiet and easeful. Whatever is here, can we bring some presence, ease, spaciousness to it? That which is knowing is less bothered by what's happening on the surface. Okay, so let's take a short break. We'll come back at uh, in six minutes, so at the top of the hour, and I'll share some reflections. Okay. Um, okay, so I mentioned I was wanting to share some reflections about joy and um, particularly the inner quality of joy, um, not, not necessarily what we would ordinarily refer to as joy, but I'll, that, what I mean by that will come clear as I talk. So, and I'm always mm, like to put a little um, warning, discretion sign when I talk about joy um, and uh, the, the quality and the facets of that. Um, I'm just I'm wary of um, thinking that if that's far from our, our experience, that somehow we're being doing something wrong. So. Um, I want to point to um, both the, the joy that we can feel in our everyday experience, but also the, the an inner quality of joy that the Buddha spoke to called Lokya Sukha. Um, so, yeah, so you may reflect for yourself about this quality of joy and the joy of well-being and um you know partly this thought came to mind i i as you know i i'm, I'm in nature a lot as you know me i'm in nature a lot i teach a lot in nature i teach a lot about nature 
and it's glorious springtime uh, here and probably most places where you are. Um, it's probably fall in Australia. Um, and there's so much delight and joy and beauty and wonder um, with spring, with a plethora of grasslands and flowers and blossoms and beauty is so, so abundant in so many ways. Um, and it's just a delight and a joy to behold that, witness that, feel that. Um, and so I was guiding a meditation this morning. Um, I, I lead a, a morning daily nature meditation. Um, I call the sunrise meditation through awake in the wild.com. And, um, and so, and I was, it was a beautiful bird song and it was quiet and the sun was shining and it was a lovely spring day. And then often what happens where I live, there's a lot of construction going around. There's a few houses being built and demolished and renovated. And, and so the, the, the lovely sounds of the birds were suddenly overtaken by drills and hammers and, um, uh, all kinds of things, street cleaners and, um, and what we wouldn't ordinarily call joyful sounds. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, from the perspective of awareness, presence, mindfulness, deep in meditation, those sounds don't have those unwanted sounds, unpleasant sounds of construction or whatever, or, or it could be unpleasant anything, cold, wind or rain don't necessarily need to bother don't necessarily need to cause you know disruption in in one's well-being and so it's interesting to feel the joy the peacefulness of the joy that comes from from being disentangled from having enough awareness spaciousness to feel ease in the midst of things changing in a way that were unwanted or unpleasant. And so it got me thinking about these different kinds of joy that the Buddha speaks to uh, and how much of uh, the inner joy comes from how we relate to experience, how we re relate to life, how we are in the moment with whatever's happening. And so there's the outer joy that comes from the, you know, outer circumstances. Um, and then there's the inner joy that arises that has more of a quality of peace or ease or spaciousness or well-being or the ability to accommodate or to flow. Um, so that's kind of really where I want to be to be having us reflect today and, and to sort of reflect in your own experience where this may be accessible. So what's interesting in uh, Buddhism, maybe not, may not be as much now as it used to be, but the, often Buddhism was criticized for focusing too much on dukkha. Dukkha means suffering because the Buddha, Buddha's in one way, Buddha framed his teaching was he taught about suffering and the end of suffering. But he was also known locally in his time as the happy one. 
It's the happy one. So even though he was teaching about how to free oneself from suffering and, and very, very clearly elucidated the um, all the ways that, that the mind is bound, is caught, ensnared in reactivity and suffering and whatnot, um, that um, one, he was known as the happy one, and also that he spoke also to the possibility of abiding, living with a sense of ease or joy or peace or freedom. Um, and in some ways you could say the, the Buddha was, um, was seeking, you know, a joy, a, a, a happiness, a freedom that was unbounded and you know talked talked about the liberation that he found as being a peace a joy beyond conditioned beyond conditions and so you know renounced his life as a wealthy prince made all the pleasures in the world he became an ascetic became an intensive meditator studied very profound meditative paths um and at some point came to realization of his own mind of the nature of mind, the nature of this human condition, and um, was able to establish and, and realize and live with, with an awakening that allowed a certain peace, freedom. The Buddha's like the Buddha behind me. Let me see that Buddha behind me. Where is it? You know, there's a there's a there's a smile in in these Buddhas. A smile of equanimity. There's a kind of a radiance in it. This is a quote from the Buddha. He said, "Live in joy, even live in joy and peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be free from fear and attachment, and know the sweet joy of the way." And so I'm wondering for you, in your own journey, your own practice, your own path, what is your experience of the sweet joy of the way? Is that, does that sound any, in any way resonant with your experience? Live in joy even amongst the troubled. So what would that look like? Where, where, where does the source of that joy or peace or freedom, ease, well-being come from. So that's kind of what I want to explore tonight. So, you know, and as I said, in spring, this, this, there's many things in our lives that can, that can be a source of delight, joy. It could be our children, animals, beauty, nature. I'm looking now at the, the sunset and the clouds in the sky and um, seeing friends, family, and here on the call, um, you know, there's in many ways the heart is touched. You know, we feel, you know, we listen to birdsong, or you know, there's many ways that we can be touched and moved into joy, delight, well-being. And you know, we also live in a culture that sadly, you know, promotes a kind of a a very simple layer of of joy which is based on sense experience the pleasure that we get from sense experience which is fine and enjoyable 
Um, I just came back from having a pizza. It was very pleasurable and very enjoyable. And, you know, nothing wrong with that, you know, except it doesn't last very long. And now I feel a bit kind of bloated and gross of having eaten it, but that's how it goes <laughs> with so many things. And, um, you know, and there's, there's, that's one level of, of pleasure, of, of pleasant experience, of joy we can feel with, with the sense of pleasure um and all the varieties of that um but as we know they have a limit every sense pleasure has a time limit and um what can be pleasurable can sometimes lead to feeling unpleasurable and um, our soul our being our heart craves for something deeper than that as much as we enjoy pleasure um whether it's a pleasure of drinking a nice cup of tea or good company or you know, lovely garden or whatever it is that we get pleasure from. Um, there's, a, there's a deeper layer, deeper quality of, of joy and, and well-being um, that we can find in practice. I certainly found it when I came to meditate back in the 80s. I was a pretty troubled young man. I moved into a retreat center, did a lot of meditation, and um, you know, quickly found that the med through meditation and through silence and stillness and, and practice, mindfulness, awareness, there was a lot more access to a sense of inner joy, inner peace, inner well-being, and being outside uh, with that presence, with, with sort of seemed to magnify it. My, my relationship with meditation and nature has always been very close. So there's something about being out, outside in nature for most of us that also touches into, allows us to access a quality of well-being or ease or, or joy. It's not dependent on, on having an amazing experience, but just the very presence that comes from nature and the presence that arises within us. And so one of the things that has become more and more revealed in these years of practice that I've been doing is how the doorway to, to that inner joy, that inner presence is, is awareness, is the innate quality of knowing that John O'Donohue was pointing to. He says, awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. So that's what we do in meditation and as we cultivate mindfulness. And so, um, yeah, again, so to reflect for yourself, what, what as I'm speaking, to this, like what, what in your own journey, your own practice, your own meditation, your own exploration of mindfulness, awareness, retreats, where do you feel that sense of uh, deeper presence, awareness, that is the, is the doorway to a kind of a peacefulness, a freedom? You know, this path, you know, the path of awakening is an unburdening, it's a lightening of our load. And as we release things, as we become free of things that used to bind us and cause suffering, there is a kind of sense of inner well-being, a kind of inner spring that becomes more established. 
So, and you could say that the path of practice in Buddhism is really a path of orienting to that which, which is supportive of that well-being, that peace, that freedom. And so when the Buddha talked about the four right efforts, we cultivate and maintain wholesome qualities and states of mind, presence, awareness, joy, love, kindness, generosity, patience. And we release habits, tendencies, views that are unwholesome, that cause pain, jealousy, fear, anger, reactivity, judgment, self-hatred. Um, and so through by doing that, we lighten the load. And so when we're sitting quietly, there's not too much obscuring that. We come into just a natural restfulness in ourselves. Or can't, as a, a poet, um, Hafez put it this way, he said, um, you, having, you have all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Do not mix them. Do not mix them. Right? Our life is like baking a cake. Right? And we have a lot of ingredients. We have a lot of raw ingredients. You know, like you look at a child, a lot of raw ingredients. Passion, power, anger, love, beauty, joy, rage, right? A lot of ingredients, and we mix the wrong ones, a little judgment, a little jealousy, a little fear, a little irritation, a little comparing mind, and we can feel really miserable, you know, when someone we know is doing great and we're having a bad day. And then he later goes on to the poem, he's, in the poem he says, you have all the ingredients to turn your life, to turn your existence into joy, mix them and mix them. It's a way of summarizing the four right efforts. Mix those ingredients, cultivate those ingredients that bring joy and delight, like a mindfulness, presence, awareness, kindness, generosity, love, patience. So, so as I said, the Buddha had talked about two kinds of joy, one called Lokya Sukha, L-O-K-I-Y-A, Lokya, Sukha, Sukha means happiness or bliss. And this is talked about as worldly or mundane joy. And this is the joy, the pleasure, as I said, that we feel, experience from, from when we have pleasant sense experiences in nature, with, with friends, with beauty. Um, and very important that we that we orient to this layer of joy, this layer of delight. My favorite lines from Jack Gilbert, he says, we can do without pleasure in, the, in this world, but we can't do without delight. We must risk delight in the ruthless furnace of the world. So despite whatever's going on, the torment and the, and the terror and the horrors of the world, there's also spring and there's beauty and there's sunsets and there's love and kindness and so to be let ourselves be touched by the the, the joy that we can feel um, in the simple pleasures drinking tea or you know seeing a rainbow or flower that we planted in in autumn and now sprouting up as a tulip or whatever it might be and particularly in these times where we often feel a lot of stress, 
that it's essential that we turn our attention to what's uplifting, to what's brightening and gladdening our heart, especially in contrast to what we see on the news, which is always bad news, um, and, and, and also to counterbalance our negativity bias where we're mostly looking at what's wrong. Um, so, you know, it's this line from Mary Oliver, who was perhaps the great teacher of turning to nature to explore joy, she says in her poem Mindful, she says, um, every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light. It's what I was born for, to look and listen, to lose myself inside this soft world with joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the extravagant, but the ordinary, the common, the drab, the daily present presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how can you help but grow wise with such teachings as these, the untrimmable light of the world, the ocean's shine, and the prayers that are made out of grasses. So ordinary joy, but ordinary joy that is, is a doorway to the sublime. Right? We look into the, I was, I took a walk. So I, my birthday was this weekend and I went out to the coast. I uh, went to a little cottage on the coast for the weekend. And I took a walk in this, it was very foggy and quite cold, but I took a walk in this beautiful forest that when, when the fog comes in on the, on the West coast here, it's, it's like you're walking through a rainforest. It's dripping and mossy and lichen-y and wet and the ferns were happy and the, the green moss on the trees was verdant and, uh, and I was putting my head into these huge Queen Anne's laces flowers like the size of a, you know, side plate and just taking in the smell. And it's just, it's just heavenly, divine. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and drinking, I was, I was, I was, um, there was so much dew on all the dew fog condensation. I was, I was just squeezing the, the, um, uh, the new growth of the pine needles and the, and sort of drinking from the trees. It was very delightful. That's joy. That's the simple joy we can feel the pleasure. And for, for me, my pleasure is nature. Maybe for you, your pleasure is children or, or art or music or dancing or sport or you know we, it's really important that we have these um avenues you know to delight and and, and celebrate you know our, our humanity and and you know senses and um yeah so i can give a whole talk on that because and i often do when i'm when i'm teaching in nature and i recognize some friends here have been with me in nature like jocelyn and others and um you know it's like yeah it's like oh right it's so nurturing and and yet and yet the buddha said there's also this quality of sukha called lokuttara sukha lokuttara sukha um which is um and i never found a really good English translation for this, but um, it's it's uh, it's sometimes called super mundane joy or the joy beyond worldly conditions, um, and it's the joy that we feel despite 
what conditions are happening. It's a sense of inner well-being um, that for me has a quality of peacefulness, of innate sort of well-being, innate goodness, um, that has a quality of freedom in it. Um, for example, and I was, this is a slightly mundane example, but going out to the, the coast and, and for my birthday weekend and, you know, and having all kinds of ideas what that was going to be. I wasn't expecting it to be gray, cold and foggy and windy, which it often is. Those of you who live around here, it's, that's how it goes. Uh, when it's hot in the interior, it gets cold and foggy on the, on the, anyhow. And so I was spending a lot of time on this deck, uh, and, um, overlooking the view and, um, and, and just, you know, it, when we were in touch with that sense of Lakutra Sukha, there's a sense of ease and well-being, no matter what's happening. Just like when you're listening to the construction sound and there was an inner smile and in like a smile to myself, like, of course, right. There's Mara. There's, there's life. Just like, oh, let's see how mellow Mark really is. Let's see how content he really is. You know, as we, you know, get the chainsaws out and the, there's some kind of metal grinding saw that came out today. And <laughs> so, but what's beautiful about practice, you know, as we cultivate mindfulness, and I've been doing it a while, as many of you have, um, that we can, um, you know, we can grow in that sort of capacity of finding ease in the midst of things. So, Again, so reflecting on how we might do that. It might be like, like I was pointing to today and in, in the sitting, as we sit down, I often notice this and I notice this particularly when I'm teaching online, I might be coming from a busy day and, you know, work and a lot of screen time and emails and meetings as I was today, Zoom meetings, whatnot. And then I come, you know, and I give a little instructions or something on the sit. And then it's like, okay, let's just settle into stillness and silence and quiet and non-doing, just being. And so, oh, that's a lokutara sukha. That's the the inner kind of well-being that just, oh, there's a there's a joy that's here. It's like almost like it's like below the surface, you know. Um, that has a deeper quality. I don't I don't, I don't want to be comparative because I can feel a pretty deep joy looking into the into the face of a you know um, smelling the what is it down the road the look the the honeysuckle that's starting to bloom and waft down the street and it's a pretty kind of deep joy but there's a that that meditative joy is, is a quieter joy um it's a great line from from um uh mary oliver and she's, she's this little poem, of, I don't know what it's called, writing about William Blake, who was a, an ecstatic, he was a nature ecstatic and a mystic and very deep consciousness. And this line of the poem says, oh, and this is William Blake's wife writing. And she says, oh, I miss my husband so, he's so often in paradise. I miss my husband. So he was always walking in the hills, in the fells of, of Northern England, where I grew up in the Lake District. And um, 
Oh, I miss my husband so. He's so often in paradise. As in, he's in not just the beauty of nature, but in some kind of other deeper quality of presence, of joy. <clears throat> and this is from the Buddha. He says, how, talking about the meditator, he says, how happy they are, for they see that wakefulness is life. How happy they are following the path of the awakened. Right? There's something very innately joyful, sukha, bliss, happiness inducing, in being awake and being present, like this jewel of awareness that we have that's the nature of our mind that allows us to know and be conscious and present and connected and aware, whether it's of nature or people or our own, our own being. There's something innately profound about that. And so we could just be sitting, breathing as we were today, perhaps, or listening to sounds of the night or the wind or whatever. And there's a, there's a quietude, there's an inner peacefulness that's, it's like, it's, it's, it feels like it's more than the sum of the conditions, more than the sum of the parts. So, and a little memory comes to mind of being in Bodh Gaya, where the Buddha was said to attain realization. And, um, and remember many a night meditating in the, in the, in the, the Mahabodhi temple, which is a big temple grounds around the tree under which, descendant of the tree, and she attained awakening. And the sound of the crickets at night are really loud. So there's just this profound silence and this deep cicada cricket vibration. And there's a, there's a I guess, because people have been meditating there for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, there's a deep silence that pervades the place. And, and we can, sitting there, I can just feel into that now, that sense of there's a depth of presence that's above and beyond just the sound and the silence. So, so I'm, I'm aware that I'm, you know, maybe for some of you, you know, I'm pointing, I'm not, I'm not giving you the 17 step list of, of what I'm pointing to or how to get there. But I just, there's a kind of a, what I'm pointing to is that there's a, it's a, it's a subtle experience that I know you all know in some ways that you may not articulate, um, or I may, I may not be articulating so well, but pointing to a quality of presence, wakefulness, that has an inherent joyfulness to it. Joyfulness is, even that word's a bit strong, because we think of joy as happy, happy. It's not happy, happy, but there's a kind of a serene, there's a kind of serenity or a contentment um, and, you know, as we deepen in this practice of mindfulness, awareness, um, we can see that the happiness that we're seeking and that's available is not in things or people or experience or stuff. The, 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 deeper, the deeper meaning and satisfaction is not in those things. It's in the quality of presence of being in which we bring to those things, which then enhance those things. 
So when we take this quality of presence and awareness that's not grasping, that's not demanding, and then we go for a walk in the woods, it's beautiful and more beautiful, more profound. If we go for a walk and like, I want to get to the top of the hill and I'm going to beat my best time and get my steps in and, 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 and get my heart rate up or down or whatever I'm supposed to be doing, that's a whole different quality of attention and then a whole different outcome in terms of one's quality of experience. This is from Gendon Rinpoche, wonderful um, uh, teacher and, and a text called, from a text called Free and Easy. Um, and uh, part of this, uh, and it's actually the beginning of this text, he says, happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. As soon as you open this tight fist of grasping, infinite spaces there open, inviting, and comfortable. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. The peace that we're looking for, and the joy that we're looking for, actually, as Rumi would point to, is, is in the one that's doing the looking. It's not out there. You know, but we live in a world and we live in a culture that is constantly luring us into believing it's out there in something, experience, person, place, object that we can acquire. But it really what we long for is that inner joy, contentment. And, and, and a way of being with, with the world, the sensory world, the material world, the human world, the more than human world, with, with, with a quality, as, as Gendon's pointing to, of, of lightness, of non-clinging, of not holding on, of not grasping. Speaking of Blake, I want to quote Blake, famous, one of his famous stanzas, when he said, um, he who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy. He who clings to a thing, to a joy, does the free life destroy by the clinging. He who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity sunrise. He, they who can appreciate the joy that we know is fleeting, because all joy is fleeting, all pleasure is fleeting, all experience is fleeting, we can appreciate it. You know? This beautiful phrase in Japanese, mono no aware, which means the, 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 the joy and the beauty that we experience knowing the very thing that we're enjoying is ephemeral. And the ephemerality is partly what gives it joy. Right? So if, if this orchid, you see, if this orchid was plastic, It'd be like, eh, plastic. But because we know it doesn't last very long, even though it does last a while, but doesn't last forever, there's something poignant about it. And that poignancy and that vulnerability and that ephemerality is partly what gives it its beauty. It's fleeting. So, so, this, so the quality of presence 
an awareness that we bring to things if it has a quality of letting go, of non-clinging, of non-grasping, then we can enjoy ordinary things in a more full way and we can enjoy sublime things in a more sublime way and we can enjoy, we can feel a sense of well-being wherever we are because we're not clinging, which means we're not demanding, expecting, wanting things to be the way they are, but we, 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 or the way we want them to be, but we can actually meet them as they are, which of course is much harder to do, do than to say, but that's our intention. So to notice when you're going about your day, what what's the flavor or quality of grasping, wanting, demanding, holding, expecting that is interfering with you actually abiding more with a sense of well-being. When we can flow with the conditions of whatever it is, whether it's a conversation you're having with a friend or an outing you're going on or a meeting at work or a walk in the woods or whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, a cup of coffee. Um, can we just meet that and as it is? Talk about non-grasping. I was pouring my coffee this morning, but I was doing too many things at once and then the coffee jug hit the glass, which smashed into the sink. But again, it's like, what mind state do we meet that? I, was, I have a little attachment to it. It's a lovely little thermal glass coffee mug that I've grown rather fond of. You know, shit happens. Mugs break. <laughs> and it wasn't a big deal. You know, unfortunate, but not a big deal. Um, and just to see what, what and when and how does our peace and well-being get affected? When doesn't it? Great line from Lily Tomlin, she says um, about the sense of more quality renunciation or the, the not buying into the, the insatiable need to, to have and to own and she says, if I'd known what it would be like to have it all, I might have been willing to settle for less. If I'd known what it would be like to have it all, I might have been willing to settle for less. So, so maybe again, you can reflect on your own experience how does the attitude in which you meet life, yourself, each other experience, how does that influence your sense of well-being, peace, joy? And when does, when does that attitude or hmm, quality that you bring to experience, when does that actually um, create or add more difficulty or more suffering or more disturbance. 
we can you know we all have to deal with difficult conditions in our lives loss fear pain uncertainty economic challenges and many other things and worse and um you know and i've seen throughout my life when when i can access a quality of presence awareness that's also infused with kindness or compassion you know meeting the conditions of the body you know my body has had a lot of weird illnesses in my life and chronic pain and stuff just like i'm sure many of you if not all of you have had in different times and at times when i'm when i'm afraid or reactive or demanding wanting my body to be a certain way it's, it's so much more difficult than when when there's a sense of complete surrender to my spasming back or my chronic fatigue or my whatever weird uh, energetic stuff is um so 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 sensing into that for yourself of how how we can find the you know an ease or well-being even in the midst of difficulty i want to read this rather humorous way of putting this this is um from byron katie who is a wonderful eccentric teacher she says just when i so she's she this is the this is the this is the setup so she's in a house she is um making salad and and then and then something happens. she says just when i think that life is so good that it can't get any better the phone rings and life gets better i love that music as i walk towards the phone there's a knock at the door who could it be i walk towards the door filled with the given the fragrance of vegetables the sound of the phone i've done nothing for any of it i trip and fall the floor is so unfailingly there i experience its texture its security its lack of complaint. In fact, the opposite, it gives its entire self to me. I feel its coolness as I lie on it. Obviously it was time for a little rest. The floor accepts me unconditionally and holds me without impatience. As I get up, it doesn't say, come back, come back, you're deserting me, you owe me, you didn't thank me, you're ungrateful. No, it's just like me, it does its job, it is what it is. The fist knocks, the phone rings, the salad waits, the floor, let's go of me life is good so next time you trip over <laughs> or stub your toe or lose your balance or whatever it is or you end up on the floor just notice if you uh you know what quality of attention is there or you know usually you know immediately the mind is there judging condemning criticizing <clears throat> So I'm aware of the time I've been talking for 45 minutes, so I think I'm going to be wrapping this up soon. Um, appreciate your attention. And um, uh, Eliana, maybe if you um, if you want to open up the chat, 
for everyone um, or people want to chat to me. If, if there's any questions that's coming up as I'm speaking, I'll, I'll wrap this up in a little bit, um, but also happy to take any questions. Um, Yeah, so much more to say. Maybe I'll do part two of this at some point. Yeah. So I think I, I also just want to say, and I've been talking a lot about presence and awareness and um, you know, think, think, again, coming back to this idea of what conditions support joy or well-being or this innate sense of well-being and joy, um, I think it's essential that um, the, the integration, the, the fusion of love, of warmth, of kindness um, into how we meet the moment, how we meet ourselves, how we meet each other, how we meet the world, is so so key um you know whether it's meeting our back pain or meeting the sorrow of the world or meeting a friend who's in distress um you know it's um it's very essential that, that the quality of kindness and care is is here um and with that, with that love, with that, there's a way that we can, you know, infuse the, the presence that we bring to meet experience. And there's a, just like, it's like awareness provides this sort of ground or ballast that we can lean into. Love also provides that same kind of support um, and um, buoyancy. And can tender can be tender, can be vulnerable, can be you know, sad and, and grieving. And but when there's warmth and care, there's something very um, supportive. Um, not really articulating as clearly as I'd like. Um, so, but I couldn't finish this talk without sharing something about love. It's a great line from Rabindrath Thakur, the great Indian poet writer, said, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. And so the one of the, one of the expressions that come from this innate sort of wellspring of well-being is you know, both an open heart and, and a more loving caring response to life, you know, and there's so much joy that comes through the heart, the joy of loving, the joy of service, the joy of compassion. So some Dalai Lama says, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. And there's something powerful about the movement of the heart. Um, so I'm just going to respond to a couple of chat messages, questions. Um, um, I thought there was a question, then it disappeared. Um, 
Nancy Barnes is saying, I belong to the sunrise meditation. I found out how much I miss it on Saturday. Well, you should know, um, Nancy, that we're now offering the sunset meditation on Sundays, every Sunday. Um, so ch ch check into Awaken the Wild. Um, so um, I can't, I can't not give a talk on joy without quoting from His Holiness, who talking about another flavor of joy is when we can appreciate and celebrate the joy of others, where he said you would by practicing mudita, this appreciating the joy and the happiness of others, rather than just focusing on our own joy, when we orient heartfully outwards and we celebrate the joy of others, we increase our chances of happiness by 8 billion to one. But if you add in all the species, then you, you increase your happiness and, of um, millions and millions, and if not billions to one. So um, anyhow, Shakti writes, pain and discomfort and illness are great teachers. I find joy underneath it all, right? Sometimes when we're really, really pushed up against our limit physically, pain, energy, health, that um, there is a profound sense of strength and tenacity and um, again, joy is not quite the right word, but a, a goodness. But you, you do talk about a joy underneath it. There's a joy of knowing the the, the depth of one's being, one's capacity. Oh, here's that thing that I thought was that it disappeared. What is a good emotional regulation skill that you recommend? Sometimes I get overwhelmed or emotionally wondering for any good techniques to get grounded. Well, I just learned this technique and it's, it's very much comes from the neuroscience world and it's a breathing technique and I'm happy to share it. I haven't done it a lot myself, but I played with it. Um, but it's it's considered one of the quickest ways to emotionally reg regulate. So I'll just share it with you and you can all do it or not. And the idea is you take a, one very deep breath and then take a very quick in-breath, even though your, foot, your chest is full. And then exhale long. Exhale through the mouth. So you do that once, so I do that a few times. Deep inhale. To the fullest of your capacity. And then a quick inhale through the nose. And then long, slow exhale through the mouth. So that is one quick, um, for me also grounding your feet, being feeling the lower half of your body, looking around, orienting to what's around you, looking to something that's pleasant, sound, sight, um, very useful to ground. And then breath, either those breaths or just deep belly breaths. All right, friends, time is late. Very nice to be with you. Thank you, thank you. Nice to see your faces, those who had your screens on, and nice to see um, hear from you, those who uh, didn't, and um, thank you for your appreciations in the chat. Always nice to hear some positive reflections. And um, uh, Eliana, can we allow people to unmute so we can say goodbye and uh, see you again. And this week I'm teaching the, on the, uh, the Awaken the Wild Sunrise Meditations at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, Tuesday through Friday. 
that means uh, and i'll be teaching about nature mindfulness teachings if you want to join it's free just go to awakeinthewild.com okay all right friends on we thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate